You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. At Rx Safe, we believe in improving patient health by challenging conventional wisdom, upending the status quo, and transforming the retail pharmacy industry. Our innovative technology solutions are designed to accelerate your pharmacy's success and change the way you do business. We develop long-term partnerships with pharmacies and other industry innovators to help attract new customers, create additional revenue streams, and transform the traditional pharmacy model. Become the adherence packaging leader in your community and practice at the top of your pharmacy license. Get started today. Visit rxsafe.com. That's rxsafe.com to learn more. Hey there. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Nation. Um, It's called Today's Beyond the Vial, Transform Your Pharmacy Services. This is about medication adherence. Um, 20 to 30% of new prescriptions never get filled, and 50% of medications uh, for chronic disease are not taken as prescribed. And non-adherence represents, they're saying, between 150 to $300 billion um, as an impact to our uh, national healthcare system. And worse of all, we have over 120 to 150,000 people die annually from not taking their medication as prescribed by a physician. This is a serious issue, and I couldn't have thought of a, of a better opportunity during this pandemic to really drill down into medication adherence and what that means for community pharmacies, and ultimately what that means for your communities and your patients. And what we want to do today is really feature some expertise. You know me and the Pharmacy Podcast. It's all about how pharmacists are leading our healthcare system. And I really take a lot of pride in finding some of the most brilliant minds in pharmacy. And one of those people are are a feature speaker for us today. And the other two are pharmacy owners, which is absolutely amazing to have them here. I'd like to introduce uh, Doug Niederman. He um, is a pharmacy owner. Uh, Steve Mackey, who's also a pharmacy owner. And uh, Dr. Andrew Peterson, who is a professor um, with U.S. Sciences, as well as a PharmD and um, and professor of health policy. I want to welcome you today to um, our webinar, Beyond the Vial, Transform Your Pharmacy Services. Welcome, gentlemen. Good to be here. Thank you, Doug. Featured speaker today is Dr. Andrew Peterson, a PharmD, a PhD. Um, excited to have found you on LinkedIn. I absolutely love LinkedIn and how it's kind of brought us together. More importantly, now during this pandemic than ever. And um, you have 20 years of research experience in pharmacy management, in medication compliance. And you've written a lot of really interesting studies and papers. One of the ones which I'm going to reference today talks about something called initial medication adherence, which was a new concept to me until I really started digging into your research, which was absolutely fascinating. And it really is is what starts the entire medication non-adhesive um, adherence issue right from the beginning. And it's that, um, it's that way that we're getting our patients to really understand through education the impact 
is sticking to their medication has. So first of all, I want to open this up and do introductions. I want to I want Doug you to introduce yourself first, then we're going to talk with Steve and then we're going to open this up to Andrew to setting the stage for today about medication adherence. So with that, I would like to introduce Doug. Hi, my name is Doug Nierman. I own uh, two different pharmacies. One is a telepharmacy. Uh, I've been going at it for seven years as an ownership and been out of school now for 11 years or so. And glad to be on here. Great. Steve. Hi, I'm Steve Mackey, owner at Spruce Mountain Pharmacy in Jay, Maine. Uh, I've been a pharmacist for 25 years, and I've owned and operated Spruce Mountain Pharmacy for 11 years, starting in 2009, um, and excited about giving, giving my feedback and, and what um, compliance medication has done for us and compliance in general for our patients. Dr. Peterson, welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Todd. Appreciate it. So I want to say thank you to RxSafe for hosting this uh, webinar. They have been a, um, a vital partner of our publication for over five years and have really helped to lead the way in medication adherence technology and medication adherence packaging. So I want to give a shout out to them for, uh, for sponsoring this event. And if you're listening in as a podcast, but this will be distributed through our network as a podcast, you will find all of the information today in our show notes, as well as um, access through LinkedIn to our guests. So please link up with these, um, with our participants and, um, and Dr. Peterson. So with that, I want to get started. I want to uh, start off and kick this off with, um, with an introduction from uh, Dr. Peterson. You wrote an extensive paper about initial medication adherence, and I want you to give our audience and our listeners uh, just an overview of what initial medication adherence actually is. Sure. Thanks very much, Todd. I appreciate it. Um, so initial medication adherence has been near and dear to my heart for uh, at least 15 years or so. It was actually part of my dissertation for my PhD. One of the things that I noticed a lot, uh, particularly as electronic prescribing came out, was that there were more and more prescriptions that were being what we call abandoned at pharmacies because a, an electronic prescription was being sent from the physician's office to the pharmacy, but it was never being picked up. And as you had said earlier in your introduction, is that upwards of about 30% of prescriptions are never even picked up uh, or, uh, brought, or used by the patient for that very first time. And that's what we call initial medication adherence. We've got to get the patients to be able to retrieve that medication from the pharmacy before we, and before they even begin to take it. Uh, and then we, we wind up measuring adherence after that. But that whole idea that people aren't taking it is a problem. Way back when, we would see people who were who would leave a physician's office with four or five prescriptions. Woman may put them in her pocketbook, get to the pharmacy, and pull out four of them because she didn't remember how many she had, and and got four out of those five filled. That other one was in her pocketbook. A week or two later, she realized it, and she said, oh, "I don't feel so bad. I'm not going to get it filled anyway." Or sometimes patients go to the pharmacy. Uh, and they, it was sent there maybe electronically. They go to the pharmacy, and all of a sudden, somebody says to that pharmacist, says to them, well, that's not a formulary item for you, and it's going to cost you $150. Or uh, that's a, you know, a tier two, and it's going to cost you $25. And each one of those other four are going to cost you $25. And the person says, I don't have the money to pick them all up. 
help me decide which one of these I should take now. Uh, and that whole idea of that initial medication adherence is, is just sticking to it. And some people, when they walk out of the uh, prescriber's office, also look at those prescriptions and say, uh, my Aunt Tilly took that one and she got a bad reaction from that. I'm not even taking it. I'm not even going to present it to the pharmacy for filling. So all of those are the factors that go into that initial medication adherence. And we really need to get patients to start that process so that they know that it's an important piece of their uh, treatment regimen so they can manage their chronic disease or get cured of their infection or things like that. This initial medication adherence is such an important step. We've got to get people to get over that hump to get that medication to begin with before then we can even have them continue on. Because your other point was, Todd, was that about 50, after about a year, 50% of the medications aren't taken as prescribed. And that's another set of variety of reasons. But that's the whole idea for me is that initial medication adherence. We thought that electronic prescribing was going to solve that problem because then they're not being, they're not lost, they're not in pocketbooks or things like that, they're sent to the pharmacy. But there's a policy piece that came along with that too, and that was that abandonment. A lot of medications were being filled, left on the counter, and then they had to be uh, restocked. That's effort, time, and money uh, wasted because patients weren't taking them. So that was what we started to think about. And that's some of the issues. There's a lot more that goes into it, but I'm going to stop there for a second. And I want to ask uh, Todd, uh, uh, Doug, and Steve what their experience is with this kind of uh, initial medication adherence or people getting sticker shock or things like that. Yeah, I would I'd, like, say, I'd uh, like to start out with Doug because as a pharmacy owner and, and also Steve, we're going to follow up with Steve. Tell us about you're seeing your patient 10 times more on average than the primary care physician who made that prescription. So what is happening when the patient reaches you and, and what are they conveying because of the trust that they have in you as their pharmacist? Yeah, I'd say cost is definitely an issue with um, a variety of medications, um, whether the doctor realizes what the copay costs will be to the patient, or if they just got out of the hospital, a lot of times they'll put them on the medications that are on their formulary and then they come to get them and they can't afford what they were taking in the hospital. So they'll just abandon it or um, maybe pick up one of the two, um, like you said. Um, but there's, you know, if they have a, a copay card that sometimes helps with that issue and um, able to save them money, but in the long term, they may pick up that, you know, short term, they'll pick up the expensive prescription the first time, but will they pick it up the rest of the time? Cause they don't have the funds to pay for it going forward. So um, I find that that's a, a big issue is the cost initially picking it up um, and trying to find ways around that isn't always possible. So especially if they're on Medicare. We found Doug, just to let you know, one of our my PhD students did a study and uh, if the copay was uh, $16 or more, it was twice as likely to be abandoned than if it was less than that $16. Um, so that, that, that dollar amount really has a lot to do with it, particularly when patients are getting, you know, four or five prescriptions. You know, $16 times four or five, that's 80 bucks. That's a lot of money to even just start with and then realize that's $80 on a monthly and an ongoing basis to somebody's budget. That's hard to, hard, hard to swallow. Mm -hmm. Steve, um pharmacy owner as well, and, and you're seeing this all the time. So what are your thoughts around initial medical adherence? 
It's a tough nut to crack. Um, I know in our experience here, it's that first touch. It's getting um, medication into the hands of the patient um, and explaining to them the importance of adherence, importance of getting the medication and being able to take it with them. Um, and it's hard because some of these disease states are, are not symptomatic. Um, so you're taking a blood pressure medication, but you're not showing any outward signs. You're not feeling ill. You're not looking sick. Uh, why do I need to take this medication? Diabetes medication. Uh, you know, I don't feel bad. Why do I need to take my diabetes medication? Um, a lot of the times that we're doing here is that my, my staff works very hard with doctors um, and other providers uh, for that first touch to say, okay, it's a tier two or a tier three drug. Can we look at trying to find a, a drug to be able to afford that patient to get into that medication to be able to use it to get the outcome that we're trying to trying to achieve. So, Dr. Peterson, when I think of some of the stage that has been set so far, and and what um, Doug and and Steve has shared, as pharmacists who are seeing their patients every day, um, you know, convey a cost, uh, conveying um, you know the the worry of, of the strain of ongoing. Uh, chronic condition. Um, what uh, data do you have um, to share with other issues that probably the patient aren't necessarily even sharing with their primary care or their pharmacist as to reasons that uh, medication adherence is such an issue? So there's a, a bunch of things that go along with it. The, the cost uh, oftentimes is a bit of an excuse, but not always. I mean, uh, it is one of uh, probably the biggest reason my patients don't uh, adhere to their medication to begin with. But uh, And Steve, you had kind of mentioned that a little bit. Um, sometimes the, the, there's a, maybe a misunderstanding or a, a, a lack of recognition by the patients on the value of that medication towards their long-term treatment. If they are not feeling those symptoms like they have with hypertension or um, high, uh, hyperlipidemia, they are less likely to take it uh, versus, and we there's some really good data showing that uh, uh, symptomatic disease states such as uh, thyroid disease, allergies and the like have a much higher both initial and continuing adherence because then patients, um, because then patients are uh, relieved of those symptoms. And we did a study uh, and they called it a fixed choice study where we took uh, diabetes, hypertension, and hyperlipidemia. And we said, if you had it to choose uh, only one of these two, a diabetes versus a hypertension, hypertension versus lipid, those kinds of drugs, lipid uh, drugs almost always got went down to the bottom. They were the ones that they that the patients could would say, I won't pick that one up uh, if I don't have to, but I will take my diabetes. That almost always came out to be the top one, then hypertension, but uh, the lipid one was so much lower. A lot of that has to do with, too, with the education that the providers are giving uh, when the prescription is delivered, or as Steve, you had mentioned, kind of that first touch when you're getting it. When there's a healthcare provider educating that patient about the need for that medication now and in the future, the uh, data show that the uh, people are uh, upwards about 20 or so percent more likely to take it and continue those medications. Uh, because they they know why they're going to be taken, and there's a sense of belief that that medication is going to help them. When they don't understand why it's going to help them or how it's going to help them, uh, they're less likely to take it. So, Steve, I'm thinking of the pressures that you're under as a pharmacy owner. 
you know better than anyone, you know, as well as Doug does the, the pressures to run a business, be an employer, be a conduit of health, uh, sometimes a healthcare destination in communities where the community pharmacy is the only medical provider for miles and miles away. And now during this pandemic, it's just one layer of stress on you as a, as a business owner and as a, as a clinician, as a pharmacist. So I think of the community pharmacy owner with the initial dispensing event taking place. And I think, are pharmacy owners able and pharmacists able to emphasize and stress specific medications, not saying that all medications aren't serious. Of course they are when they're prescribed. But if you know that this is a life-saving medication, it's a diabetes med or hypertension med, what emphasis during that initial dispensing event can you do and have the time to do with everything else that you have to be doing in order to really emphasize and stress to the patient that this is extremely serious and really could mean you as a patient going back into the hospital or worse yet, um, having, um, you know, a, an adverse reaction that, that could put them, um, you know, in, in the grave and it could, it could kill them. But how do you handle something like that? From my perspective, I've always worked with patients saying, let's look at, I'm a minimalist. Um, if you don't need to be on six different prescriptions when three will do the job, that builds trust and rapport with my patients to be able to say, you know something, we don't need all of these medications. Let's look at what we need to focus on. Let's look and be able to decide um, from an outcome standpoint what's going to work best for you. Understand that if you choose not to take your lipid medication, Here's your side effects. Here's the potential issues with you down the road. You may not be symptomatic now, but we all know that cardiovascular events are more likely to occur if you're not on statin medication or lipid-reducing medications. Um, so it, it's kind of that building the rapport with the patients, counseling with them, uh, talking with them about how, how important it is for you to take your medication. Um, but from a timeline standpoint, it, we need to take the time to do that. That's our job as pharmacists, to be able to counsel our patients, spend the time with them and make sure they understand their medication. The doctors or the providers have done their job at prescribing, understanding the patient's disease state, but now it's up to us to kind of bring the ball home with them and say, okay, this is why you need to take your medication. This is why you need to be compliant with it. Doug, when I think of the complexity of that cascade prescribing, and you have a patient that possibly has moved. Now they're moving into your community. They come to you. They have, you know, six, eight, 12 medications that they're managing. What's an element or what's a strategy that you do in counseling those patients when it comes to um, these life-saving chronic uh, disease states that they're experiencing? How are you managing and how are you connecting with your patients um, to really emphasize the, the severity of, of staying adherent? Yeah, so we would look at their medication regimen, make sure that first they know why they're on them, what they're for, and make sure they're taking them uh, appropriately, whether it's with food, without food, time of day, um, and just, you know, in emphasizing the importance of why they're on the medications, why they need to be taking it to kind of help with their outcomes um, as far as feeling better from day to day, but also keeping them out of the hospital in the future. Um, 
if there is an issue with cost or anything like that, that they're moving in, um, we'll do our best to help them and maybe talk to their new provider about how we can um, maybe decrease their burden, um, as well as try and maximize the medications that they're on. A lot of times we get patients who are on, you know, four different medications, but none of them have been maximized to their full potential. Um, so that's another good way to gain trust with the patient um, and potentially save them money as well. Dr. Peterson, I've thought of the research that you've kind of um, dug into and in, in even defining initial medication adherence and what that means. What other data have you come across in your research um, beyond the financial burden? And, and I like what you said. You said sometimes that's an excuse. And um, because there's other questions that they may, the patient may be um, access to health literacy, there might be an issue with really understanding, um, you know, the, 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 the clinical effect of their disease and, and the medications on their disease. So talk to me about health literacy and reducing complexity of medication regimes and in, in what you've studied and in, in what you've uncovered. Sure. So the complexity of the medication regime is probably the easiest one. We did some uh, good meta-analysis work showing that uh, those studies where patients took uh, one up to two uh, once a day to twice a day medications had a much higher, uh, upwards of close to a 40% uh, greater compliance uh, long-term than if they were taking medications that were taken three or four times a day. And that just makes kind of intuitive sense. Uh, the uh, drug manufacturers have been doing this for years when they made everything from, you know, three to four times a day to once a day and extended release pills. And that was part of it. Uh, and that's because patients are a lot more compliant, particularly when they connect it with uh, a day-to-day -day activity. The data also show that uh, medication adherence is best when it's connected to another type of activity. So if, they're, if they brush their teeth every day or twice a day, uh, that's when they should be taking their medications once or twice a day. Or if they're, they need to take it with breakfast, that they do it with breakfast at those times. And to even have the placement of those medications nearby where that activity is going to be. So once it's connected to a, another day-to-day -day activity, the, the compliance uh, will increase about it, increase with it. The health literacy component is a huge issue. Um, uh, oftentimes, we are giving patients a medication with a, a package a patient insert that describes the medication, and ideally, it's a sixth to eighth grade level. Half the time they do read it, and half the time that they don't. And when they do read it, sometimes they don't understand it. Even the language might be a little high, but it's usually okay. But at the same time, it also may induce some fear. And fear is probably one of the bigger drivers that drives people away from taking medications. Uh, they're afraid of the side effects. They're afraid of what might happen. They're afraid of the unknown. Even if it's a small percentage risk, it becomes uh, problematic for them in their mind. So they don't want to, they don't want to take it. Uh, and we've seen some of that even lately with all the stuff that's going on with COVID and the vaccine and the like, that, that fear uh, is a huge driver for it. But the other piece of health literacy uh, that we need to think about is um, not just the reading part of it, but the, the true understanding of what it takes, uh, what the implications are of these diseases. People don't have the... Uh, without help, the, the thought of what those consequences are a year or two down the line. Uh, so they, they think very short term, 
uh, and what's going to happen now. And there is that's a component of that literacy and understanding of what the consequences of their disease are. Uh, so we need to continue to reinforce uh, what the consequences of non-adherence for diseases are in the long term. And we should be doing that on a regular basis with our patients, not each and every time. You don't want to keep hammering at, at them, but you know, have an understanding of what it might be and ask them questions about their disease, how they're feeling, how things are, are developing, and have a conversation with them and get them to be literate about their disease so they have a good understanding of it. Steve, I think of you again as that community pharmacy owner and the education that you provide on an ongoing basis, the way your pharmacy technicians have built relationships with um, your clients, your patients, customers that come in. How are you addressing health literacy um, as a as a barrier to medication adherence? It can vary. It depends upon the patient. Um, I, I think, unfortunately, some of the the literacy issues come from, as, as Dr. Peterson was referring to, um, non verified sources. Um, well, my my brother said, or or well, I had a family member once that. Um, had a bad experience. Uh, it, it, it's hard to sometimes, and in today's world with social media and news outlets, 24-hour news cycles, there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of misinformation out there. Um, even as a pharmacist, I sometimes find it hard what sources are viable, what sources do I constantly run to and cite and work with um, to be able to be able to have conversations with my patients. Um, and to be able to give them sources so they can empower themselves to do their own research if they have questions or concerns. Um, but we're always working with our patients to say, we're a phone call away. Call us with questions if you have concerns. Um, you know, and my, my staff works very well at kind of filtering out what's the, you know, refill question as opposed to the, hey, Steve needs to talk to this patient because they're having concerns about side effects um, or drug interactions. Um, and that's, that's really kind of the crux of, of where that trust and where that communication comes from, uh, trying to alleviate the fears of patients from taking their medications, um, and giving them the opportunity to, to kind of take their own healthcare into their hands by knowing they've got a, a healthcare team around them that's looking out for them. Dr. Peterson, we have a question that I was going to ask, and sure enough, Kathleen asked it, one of our attendees, and she said, can you speak to whether the abandoned medications are new medications or refills? And the reason is, is that there's these patients that, um, you know, they start a new medication, there's reluctance um, compared to a chronic one that they're used to taking. So it's that new medication that that, you know, that's entered in. So can you speak to the, the abandonment issue and if it is a new medication or refill? Sure. The data that Dr. Forrestal, my P, the PhD student who graduated a couple of years ago, did was uh, based solely on new medications. So she looked back um, six months or more to make sure the patients were on it. And when we talked about new medications, it was, we also took a look at the class of medications. So it wasn't just that they started a uh, a new statin, but it was any statin, or if it was a new diabetes agent, it was uh, any diabetes agent. So these people were naive to any within that class. So it was a new start, uh, and those uh, abandonment data uh, and the cost that I had mentioned earlier were based on that. Uh, because abandonment issues uh, and the reluctance to pick up that medication uh, are different for 
new starts than they are for people who are chronically using it. It may be abandoned for a chronic user because of an adverse reaction and they are cho choose not to pick it up anymore because they don't want to continue that medication or because of the cost or because their uh, physician told them not to or because their Antilly told them not to. Uh, in this case, in the case of a new start, it's often because of a uh, because of the sticker shock that they may get, or somehow or another they have gotten some information, uh, not firsthand experience, but some information from one of those sources that suggests that they shouldn't take it for whatever reason might be. So the differences are are uh, unique to the whether it's a new start or not. So when I think of simplicity, and the new term to me was initial medical adherence, which is why um, we featured Dr. Peterson today and um, really have him uh, setting the stage uh, for what that means. Part of initial medical adherence is the, the approach and the simplicity that a community pharmacy is delivering um, the entrance of that new medication or the existing medication, especially if there's four, six, you know, 10 medications that they're on all in these vials, uh, always having to, you know, have to open the cap and, and pour the medication or fill up their Monday through Sunday uh, flip top uh, containers as, as we know that, that people are going through. The classes and the seminars that have been put on, for example, by RxSafe, which has shown the simplicity of, of packaging medications in a way to make it that it's eight o'clock a.m. Um, Dr. Peterson suggested, hey, I'm brushing my teeth. After I'm done brushing my teeth, I'm gonna go take my medication. I walk up to my uh, package. Um, it's, a, it's a square box. It has all the directions on it. I pull a strip out uh, inside that strip for my 8 a.m. pass is now um, three medications. I rip it open, I take my chem medication. To me, the, 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 the advent and the entrance of medication compliance packaging has been so key in developing simplicities. So I wanna hear from Doug on those simplicities and setting the stage to simplify the complexity of multi-doses and multi-passes per day and, um, and, and your experiencing in using uh, medication compliance packaging. Yes, we have multiple patients who are on, you know, over 10 medications. Um, I just think of myself, I try to take that. Like I, I probably miss some in the morning, some in the evening, because you know, a lot of these people, you know, did I take that one? I don't know if I took that one. So we'd have people coming in before we got the strip packaging machine that would like, oh, I got plenty of that one. And you ask them, well, why don't you need that one? It's just a month supply. Oh, I take it every day. I don't know why I have more. You must've given me more than the 30 days. Like, huh? Well, that didn't happen. Uh, and you can't convince them any otherwise. Like they took their medication, but you know they didn't. Um, so by putting it in the pouches and having it organized for them, they have come in you know, on the 30-day supply every time. They're not saying they don't need the one particular medication anymore because they're actually taking their meds. Um, and they're getting it. They were getting it every 45 days. Now they're getting it every 30. So it's really increased the compliance for that and simplified the patient's medication regimen because they know when to take it and they're better at taking it. And if it's during the day, they can rip off the pouch and take it with them. Um, I feel like that was another big issue for the midday uh, medications because they might not be home and they don't have their medications with them. So now they can, you know, take that with them and 
make sure they're taking their meds. It's, it's been a huge uh, plus for our pharmacy as well as our patients. Steve, what's the outcome of your patient base um, that has been introduced uh, to a medi medication sync program that includes um, compliance packaging? It's been remarkably well received by my, uh, by my patients. Um, it's, it's been a uh, ability for us to give them something addition, uh, additional compliance, additional help. Um, it allows caregivers to kind of follow up uh, with elderly parents or uh, with their kids sometimes. I've got a mom um, who has in a divorce situation where she splits custody. She knows she can send enough medication with her daughter to go to the ex-husband's house for the weekend and not worry about bottles not coming back because the medication's traveling with her and then she's got the bottles, uh, she's got the pack when she comes home uh, from visiting her dad's house. Um, so we found some really unique things that I hadn't even thought of, uh, to be able to utilize this, uh, strip packaging, uh, in the pharmacy, but kind of working with customers, talking with them, how they take the medication, when do they take the medication? Um, you know, discovering little nuances about, well, I take all my medication together. Well, you're taking levothyroxine and you're throwing it in with the rest of your medications in the morning. And studies have indicated that it's a better off at a different time separated from other products. Same thing with Coumadin-based products. We want to make sure we're separating that and doing a dose in the afternoon for lab value testing. Um, so we've really kind of helped utilize our skill set um, to make sure our patients are compliant and getting the best use out of the medication. So it's really been a win-win situation for, for our patients and our staff. So what's the suggestion, Dr. Peterson, and what's interesting is you've had an extensive amount of um, experience in a hospital system pharmacy as a pharmacist that was there um, uh, helping uh, patients ongoing. When you have a patient that has a hospital stay, it's easy to, to regimen, obviously, their medication therapy when they're released. Now, you know, you're hoping and praying that they're connected to a, a community pharmacy that that uh, that they trust and that they're going to utilize. How have you seen compliance packaging impact medication adherence um, through any of the studies that you've that you've uncovered? Really good question. And, the, you know, the compliance packaging concept actually goes back years um, uh, long term care pharmacies. Uh, I used to work in a, the VA medical center. Uh, and we used to service a, a long-term care unit out of that. And we would put uh, and package the medications by time of the day for the nurses to make it easier for them and allow patients who had the autonomy to be able to take the medications as necessary, all of those at a certain time, and they were able to read it and, and things. So this is not a new concept uh, to improve medication adherence, even for healthcare providers. But bringing it out into uh, the world now and allowing people to do it, it, it makes it so much easier. The, um, the fact that they don't have to carry around bottles with them during the middle of the day uh, and or forget them if they are giving them out. Somebody, Steve, I think you mentioned that uh, when they travel somewhere between two houses, two households, having the having a very specific, this is the, the time that you need to take this one. And without having to do it, there are so many particularly elderly patients who don't have the, the dexterity, the vision, or the ability to put together those medication cassettes 
where you know you got to take it you know morning noon night monday through sunday uh, and oftentimes the the children or caregiver has to do all of that stuff but even having the dexterity to open those things and take those medications out it becomes very difficult so all of these things have improved the ability for a variety of different people to be able to comply with the medication regimen just have to remember they want they have to want to take it um, but when they're packaged in this way uh, they have uh, less of a choice uh, as much they don't they say oh i don't have to take this one and this one in the bottles or i don't have to take this one they'll open that package and if all three of the medications that's supposed to take on that time they're more likely to take all three of them at once than if they had to open up these uh, bottles so there's a, a huge improvement in medication adherence uh, long term because of this packaging and, and the other one by the way as we know it uh, also started uh, decades ago, uh, oral contraceptives. If we think about that, those oral contraceptive packs, uh, those blister packs were one of the first ones that were out there. Uh, and this way people could account for and make sure that they took a dose every single day and they knew when they missed one. Uh, and then they were also given instructions of what to do when they missed one. Uh, Zithromax, when it came out with itch packaging, was uh, a big one too. So there's uh, the packaging piece uh, and the frequency of dosing all improve medication compliance dramatically. Thank you for that. And so I'm thinking of the concept of meeting people where they are. And I think of seniors. I think of my own dad, who um, is a huge user of uh, Facebook. Uh, some of the uh, comments and, and things that he gets into. Um, sometimes I wish he wasn't as good of a user as Facebook as he is, but um, all the political stuff and the fake news and all of that that crazy stuff that, that comes out of our, our social media. But when I think of meeting patients where they are, I think of communications and, you know, pharmacist, we can only expect you to do so much. Um, you know, I, you can only educate the patient. You can, um, you know, you can come, you can put the compliance packaging together and invest in that, make an investment into uh, your, your systems with, with an RX safe technology and machine. But what about ongoing communications in an automated fashion through like texting every day or twice a day or whatever regimen that they're on so that we're, we're, in, we're employing technologies that they're already used to? You know, the, cell, the mobile phone usage, I got my first mobile phone, I think in 1996. And it was a big box thing. And I think it costs like $3 a minute or something like that. But today it's, you know, every single one of us is, is carrying one of these. And the majority of our patients have access to um, a mobile phone. Not all, but a lot of them do. So I want to ask the pharmacy owners, how have you embraced technology? How have you embraced even something as simple as a text to, to couple with a medical um, medication regime to keep uh, patients compliant. I'll start out with Doug. Um, as far as reminding them through their mobile device, I you know, recommend it to the patients if they are having issues remembering, just saying, well, this is an easy fix for you. Um, the one thing we use through our pharmacy software is um, anytime we have a fill that's completed, um, it'll send a tech, we, if the patient agrees to it, it can uh, send a text message out to them saying that they have a prescription ready to pick up. Um, and I think a lot of pharmacies do that. Um, sometimes it's 
not always processed in the right way where the patient comes to get it and like, mm-hmm. I don't know what you're talking about, but if it's done right. It's a, it's a great tool um, to use. And, uh, and I know with our, our pharmacy app that there's uh, features in there where they can set reminders um, to take their medications, uh, whether they've downloaded the app or not, or um, who knows, but um, they can also send us uh, direct questions through the app that we are using as well. So if they did have a question uh, about their medication or if they just needed a refill, they can send us a, text message and we can get back to them uh, quickly. But that's the main things that we've done as far as technology. Steve, what have you done in your community pharmacy in, in, in embracing the, the tech uh, aspect of this in, in compliance with your, with your patients? Yeah, technology can sometimes be a double-edged sword, unfortunately. Um, you know, multitude of platforms, uh, different mechanisms of communication. Um, I've worked really hard at trying to make sure that we have the single voice. Um, so that way the patient's not getting inundated with uh, text messages from one platform, from another platform saying, oh, okay, uh, yeah, your prescriptions are ready for pickup or uh, you're due for these three prescriptions. Would you like us to fill them? Um, just as a reminder, you're coming up due in seven days for, you know, unfortunately, technology can sometimes be an overload or a burden to our, our people that aren't used to dealing with it or not used to the technology. Um, I think a lot of what we're working with is, once again, coming back to that personal touch, um, doing the MedSync program the way we're supposed to do it and to make sure that we're talking to the patient saying, hey, we see that you're coming up due with your medications. Uh, we're going to run pill pack for you. Uh, any changes, anything that we need to be aware of before we run pill pack for you. Um, and it gives that rapport with the patient uh, and my staff to say, what's going on? What's up to date? Um, do we need to get the pharmacist involved from a clinical standpoint to uh, evaluate a situation, to evaluate a med regiment? Um, you know, have there been changes that we were unaware of? Um, so I think it gives us a, a little bit more of an opportunity to, to be that hands-on, uh, utilize technology when it's available and when it's there, you know, shoot the email to the patient saying, Hey, your prescriptions are ready for pickup, the text messages, Hey, your prescriptions ready for pickup. Um, uh, don't forget, you know, you got that partial that you need to pick up because we could only, we only had a week on hand. Um, so I, 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 I like technology, I embrace technology, but I don't always love technology. Very good. So, Dr. Peterson, I think of um, the current state of our nation and the pandemic placing a lot more stress and pressures on on people throughout the nation and our community pharmacies uh, as well and and first line um, uh, responders and people that are out there, um, you know, in in the position of of asking, um, hearing all of the questions, getting all of these crazy probably questions that, that, um, that patients are hearing. So I, I think of the depression angle of this. What in your research have you uncovered where depression is, is adding to the complexity of medication adherence? So, uh, great question. First, let me say thanks to uh, all of the pharmacists and others who are out there uh, on that, on the front line, helping to uh, field the questions that these uh, patients have, filling the medication for them, being out there during the pandemic uh, in these higher risk situations. I want to say thank you very much for uh, being there and being part of that. I appreciate it a lot. 
Uh, and the, the piece about the depression, we've, we've all heard about what's going on, that uh, it's increasing people's anxiety, uh, isolation, depression. There are a lot of those factors that, that do decrease medication adherence. The idea that people are uh, being, had been told initially and still, you know, uh, shelter in place, stay, stay at home, you know, minimize going out only if you have to. Pharmacy was a place that they could go. There was a lot of uh, elderly patients who were just afraid to go out, weren't going out. So they were relying on a lot of people to get their medications and that wasn't happening. Uh, so there was the, the impact of the pandemic itself on it. But the depression there, people are like, why am I doing this? Patients who are depressed typically are not taking their medications as much. They they have the I don't care kind of attitude or why should I do it? Or even they are just not feeling good enough uh, about themselves to be able to take the medications that they need. Uh, so that is a, a big problem. Uh, and then you're trying to then add on an antidepressant to help them. Uh, and that's just another burden for them to be able to do it. So it really does take a lot of that high touch and communication with those patients to be able to kind of get them to take those antidepressants for the four to six weeks that they need for them to work if that was the right one to begin with for the, in the first time. So it, depression really does impact it in multiple ways because you're adding a pill burden to them. And the depression itself decreases their desire to uh, take medications. So um, there's so many different factors that go along with it. Uh, the worry that comes along with it, when people worry about things, um, that may not be depression, but that worry itself also contributes to uh, their medication adherence. And the best way to, to kind of combat that is through communication, uh, healthcare to professional, healthcare professional. And I, you know, we're talking pharmacist to patient, but I also encourage pharmacist to a physician if there is a concern, um, Oftentimes the prescriber doesn't know that the patients aren't taking their medications. They may be going and they could be telling the, the prescriber, yes, I am, but the data are showing that they're not getting refills. Uh, so if there's a communication between the pharmacist and the physician, that might help. Uh, and then also encouraging and giving the physician uh, the, the time if possible to communicate with the patient. So that, the triangle is really important to have a level of communication. So there was a study out just recently from the Kaiser Family Foundation. I'm going to have a link into the show notes uh, from this study that said four in 10 adults have reported symptoms of anxiety or depression, which is up from one in 10 adults who reported the same symptoms less than a year ago. And that's once again, tied back to this pandemic, tied back to the extra stress um, that this is placed on uh, uh, people in general. So I immediately, because my heart goes out to pharmacists first, because you're my favorite providers, I think of you both, uh, Doug and and Steve, and all of the pharmacy owners listening um, with your own mental health. What are you guys doing to, um, to, to kind of uh, take on a little bit extra of the pressure that you're under right now during a pandemic and serving your community. Um, Doug, what are you doing to, to kind of take care of yourself to, in, to ensure that you're continuing to, to be a champion for your community? Uh, I always try not to get too overwhelmed and just kind of, when I'm out of the work environment, try to just be away from work, not, you know, connect back to the pharmacy system and try to do more work, but just to be present with the family, you know, put away my phone so I'm not distracted and I can just unwind a little bit. Um, it's not always easy, especially with doing COVID shots and everything, because 
working extra hours and it's just more stress and it just seems like there's more things to get done. But I still try to make a conscious effort to put away all the electronic devices and just be present with the family or friends that I'm surrounded by. And that just seems to kind of help melt away a little bit of the, the stress before the next day starts. And, uh, you know, obviously getting the right foods and getting enough sleep is uh, huge as well, especially sleep for me. But um, those are the main things that I've tried to incorporate into my daily life is just unwind and get away from electronics as much as I can. Steve, we so, we expect so much out of you um, to to keep it going, to keep pumping out the 300, 600, you know, 1,200 prescriptions a day, taking care of your staff, taking care of your patients that need extra attention. And what are you doing for yourself? What are you doing for you and your family? Uh, a lot of it is just self-care. You know, like Doug was talking about, when you mentally punch out at 6 30 7 o'clock whenever you close the store down finish up what you need to do go home uh, you know the problems the issues the things that you're going to resolve are going to be there the next day make your list uh, you know follow up follow up uh, make sure that you're taking care of what you need to take care of make sure you're taking care of yourself make sure you're taking care of your staff um, and just you know try and I, I, there's so much negativity there's so much frustration there's so much bad things. I'm a hockey guy. Um, if I start feeling the little bit of stress in the day, all right, I'm going to go home. I'm going to watch Miracle. I'm going to go, I'm going to do something for myself that, Hey, I love that movie. I'll watch it. And I feel better. You know, it's, it's, it, it's those simple little things. Um, just get the mental health, clear the head, shake things off and say, okay, I'm back at it again. Let's roll. That's awesome. Dr. Peterson, what are you doing to deconstruct and kind of get the pressure off of what you're going through as a, as a professor and as a pharmacist yourself? Good. Yeah, for me, uh, so I'm fortunate enough that I've been able to work from home most of the time, but transitioning from uh, teaching in a classroom to teleteaching was a little bit stressful and difficult for both me and the students. Uh, so taking time for myself was an important one. I'm a big fan of going out for uh, walks. I, I have to separate um, my home office from my home, uh, and that's a, a hard thing. Last week, I took a bit of a staycation. Uh, I had some stuff that I had to do. It was, gonna, it was a nice week uh, outside, so I spent most of the time outside doing some work on my backyard and the like. But I will tell you, you know, my computer sitting here on my desk. I'd walk in and I'd see it, and it was a little hard to kind of separate. So I had to close those, close it down. Uh, and I would say to myself, I'm only going to open it up at these certain times. So I, I really did have to make some of those. Uh, stretches to be able to uh, of, of time for myself away from the computer. Uh, but, you know, taking walks, going uh, outside and connecting as much as uh, with people as I can. I'm actually doing a lot more letter writing, note writing and things for people. Um, it, uh, it's instead of an email, uh, it just it was a little bit more therapeutic for me. That's really interesting. That's a, that's a great idea. I, I'm a big dog person and I've tried to get outside as much as possible with uh, the weather finally breaking in, in Western Pennsylvania. Uh, for you pharmacy owners that are down south, like Teresa Toll down in Sebastian, Florida, that's my that's my um, my father's uh, uh, pharmacist is is Teresa, and she's in Sebastian, so they have some really good weather for walking. And and I think of community events, and I think of how do we embrace the community 
in a fun, more uplifting environment, especially with the weather coming and, and getting better. Um, but being cognizant of this pandemic and, you know, in, in encouraging, you know, um, being uh, cognizant of of being smart uh, in, in a community event. But that sense of community can be so powerful. And I'm wondering at those times, is it, a, is it an opportunity to to show the humanism in all of us and sharing with patients of the impact that that adherence has on the community and the health of the community and and sharing that it's sometimes it's not only about the individual sometimes it's about making sure that we're a strong community together so that it's not drawing down on the finances of a community or the finances of the family um, because of, of of that cascade, because of the domino effect of not being um, adherent, and wondering, um, as community pharmacy owners, what are you guys going to do in the day and age of of post pandemic with with community events? And do community events work for you as as small business owners to to kind of open up uh, what you guys do as community pharmacists, uh, Steve? Um, one of the things that we used to do is the Lions Club locally would host a spring fling um, or a spring community event uh, where local businesses would be able to come in and talk, uh, has set up booths, uh, you know, show what they can do. Um, and it, it was kind of like a kind of like a home show. Um, and they approached me and said, would you be interested? And I kind of scratched my head for a second. What's a community pharmacy going to do at a home show? Sure enough, I took a leap on it and I said, let's do it. Um, first year was kind of, you know, some pamphlets, you know, me hanging out, talking to people, you know, it, and it was kind of fun. The next year we got a little bit more creative. Well, let's bring our, some of our compounding equipment up with us. Let's bring the undulator. Let's bring some cream. Let's bring some essential oils and let's make some stuff for patients. Well, okay. Now we're going to market our compounding uh, lab and our compounding facility. Um, so it, just a little community outreach thing like that, that, was outside of the comfort zone for me and outside of what you would normally expect a community pharmacy to do um, was all of a sudden me talking to patients about the medication, uh, you know, understanding that you know, we're in a public setting and I'm not going to get into the details of it, but saying, Hey, you know, so that's a really good question. Let's talk Monday about, about that. Um, or let me make a note, see if I can order that and follow up with you. Um, so it was really a, a, a neat opportunity. Um, and like I said, something outside of the, the box. I mean, I've, I've done youth sports. I've done youth coaching. Um, I've been involved in the community that way. Um, and that's all kind of gone on the back burner since COVID-19's hit us. Um, but I'm, we're looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to sponsoring the local youth sports teams, local uh, high school teams, um, and, and getting community back together um, in, in a positive environment um, and not, not realizing what separates us, but what really can bring us together. Doug, what about you and your community pharmacy? Yeah, so at the at our telepharmacy one, but we support like all the local events as much as we can, um, donate whatever. Um, at our other pharmacy, though, we were just looking to start getting into all these community events right before COVID and kind of show how we can help them with the strip packaging adherence and everything like that. Well, as soon as we got comfortable and wanted to do those things, everything got shut down. So we had to put that on the back burner. Um, but now that people are getting vaccinated, those things are starting to open up again. So we have reached out to um, a community center for special needs people and said, hey, can we come do a ice cream social? And they're like, yes, please do. 
Uh, so we're going to look to do more of those types of things. Can they get out there with senior citizens or senior centers as well? Um, and just trying to show them how we can help their health, but also, you know, bring some fun to their, their days as well. So I just want to make a statement. So if you're listening to this as a podcast and you didn't get to actually participate on this live event um, with uh, with Doug and with Steve and, and Dr. Peterson, I want you to reach out to RX Safe and the Pharmacy Podcast Network if there's anything that we can do for you and your community um, as a pharmacy owner. Um, those are ideas on marketing. Those are ideas on implementing a PGX program, implement um, um, something to, to embrace um, you as a pharmacy owner. Um, it, it, this is about a new age that we're in and we have to be here for each other and when we want to be. I know that RxSafe wants to be. I want to be, I want to use our publication to, to assist community pharmacy owners uh, in this trying time. In the show notes, you will find the initial medication adherence review and recommendations for good practice and outcomes research, an ICE-POR medication adherence and persistence special interest group report, which uh, one of the authors was Dr. Andrew Peterson. It's an excellent uh, paper. Um, I'll have a link in the show notes for that. Uh, Dr. Peterson, I want to say thank you so much for being part of this. This was very special that you took the time out today um, to share uh, your insights on initial medication adherence, helping us to define that, as well as giving some of your background in medication adherence and how serious of an of a issue that this is. Thank you very much. I'm uh, humble and grateful uh, to be part of this. I really do appreciate it, Todd. Uh, thank you. Doug, I want to thank you for participating. You are my hero, a pharmacy owner, a pharmacist, and what you do for your community and 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 what you go through as a pharmacy owner. I want to thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for letting me come aboard. And Steve, once again, a hero of mine, a pharmacist, a pharmacy owner. Uh, anything that that we can do for you and, and ideas, sharing ideas, putting other panels together to get us as, as a community pharmacy organizations, um, we need to share more with each other. And I thank you so much for your sharing your insights and information and what you're doing as a community pharmacy owner. Thank you, Steve. You're welcome, Todd. Thank you very much for putting this together. Thank you for Save Our Rex for sponsoring. Um, and you know, let's keep those lines of communication open. Let's talk. Absolutely. If you're listening to the podcast today, once again, please reach out to us. Let us know what you think. Give us some of your own ideas. Uh, send us an email. You can find us on social media at RxSafe on all of the social media platforms or the Pharmacy Podcast at Pharmacy Podcast. Uh, once again, our guests' information will be in the show notes. Please link up with them on LinkedIn. Tell them that you got to hear them. Ask them questions. Carry these conversations beyond uh, just this presentation and and do things together. Um, I, I can't thank you enough for what you do as pharmacists. You are my heroes. Um, and, and with that, I want to close out today and say thank you so much for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. And uh, thank you for being an RxSafe customer. And um, please uh, reach out to RxSafe. Go to rxsafe.com. Um, that team is ready to help you in any way that they can. And with that, I thank you so much. Mm -hmm.